This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. Today, I think we should talk about something that's not so fun, and that is the need for cybersecurity within our agencies. I'm an insurance guy. Why do I need cybersecurity? That doesn't make sense. Does it? Yeah, and you're only a one-man shop. You're a small shop. I mean, who in the world would want the information that you have? Well, the reality of it is, is that as an insurance organization of any kind, particularly the independent agency, we collect a ton of data. And we need a lot of data to quote accounts, even though we're the anti-quoting people, to make proposals We need a lot of information and we collect a lot of information and our customers trust us with that. And even if we write it down old school on a napkin or a piece of paper, that information generally is going somewhere. It's going into a computer, a form. It's going into a portal. It's going over to an underwriter. It's going a lot of places and we are the point of collection, which makes this really, really critical for us to understand what our risk is because we are the people that are going to really be held responsible when it comes down to a cyber breach or something that happens if you're hacked. So let's talk real numbers here. So if you have someone's name, street address, date of birth, phone number, and driver's license number, that's worth $1,000 on the dark web. So let's say you have that information on 100 clients. That's $100,000 worth of information information that's sitting right there that someone can come in and grab and sell. Those are big numbers. Yeah, but I'm small. Nobody's going to mess with me, right? You don't have a hundred clients? I mean, I'm just saying I'm small. I'm not the low hanging fruit. I'm not Amazon. I'm not Facebook. Of course, I'm being facetious here. Yes, this is huge. It's a big deal. And I don't want you to feel like you've got to crawl up in the bed and in a fetal position and pull the covers over your head. That's not the answer. The answer is to actually take action, to review how you do things, what you do when you collect that information, where you put that information. And as you're storing that information, your management system, I keep coming across so many agencies who do not have a management system. They are literally operating their agency off of Excel and Outlook. That is not healthy. And I want to sincerely urge you to move out of that realm, become a professional agency, step into the light and get into an agency management system, make an investment here into learning that system. And they're going to put some safeguards around the data. That's something that's critical and it's going to be better than your Excel file in my opinion. Going back to what you said, I'm a small agency. Why would somebody want to try to break in and steal my stuff? Well, that's exactly why. Because you're not Amazon and you're not Facebook and you're not the big guys who have millions of dollars invested in their cybersecurity. It's because you're the little guy that's got a lot of information that's easy to get to. 
you. And there are bots out there that are just running through looking for small financial businesses like our agencies to crack into. The other thing here is while it hasn't come down the pipe yet, there's going to be more compliance issues that are passed down. We know that it started in New York and I think maybe California. It started moving. Different states have started putting in different cyber uh, security laws, compliance responsibilities. We are a heavy data collector. We don't think about it because we're not a bank. We don't hold deposits. We're not in the money holding business. And so it's natural to not think of your insurance agency as a risk, but it's a combination of things that the better you are prepared and the more you work towards this, the better you're going to be. Shane, I don't need that. That costs money. Yes, it's going to cost money. You're going to have to have some IT help, spend a little bit of money. This is one of those areas that you want to do that on. Understand that you're not the expert here. You are an insurance expert. You are a risk manager. You are a sales professional. And most of us are not IT professionals. It's really important to have someone to put you through the litmus test, so to speak, and help you understand where your gaps are. Shane, I don't need to worry about that. There are software that came on my computer when I bought it eight years ago, and that takes care of it for me. I'm secure. I delete that software as soon as I can, (laughs) but I'm one of those guys that don't even give me that thing with the antivirus that comes with it that pops up every five seconds and drives me insane. It's just not what you need. Go to an IT person. Find a professional. There's someone, I promise you, close to you. Ask a friend. If you're a Gen Z, get on social media and ask for references because I know you're going to. Find a person that does this for a living. And I just think that's critical. We can't be a hypocrite with this. It's really important that we do that because we tell people this all day long about their insurance. We tell them why you need an independent agency, why you need a risk manager. You need the same thing. What we're wanting you to do here is play active defense. Going back to the sports threads that we always try to pull in. And I think the saying is offense wins games and defense wins championships. Well, this is one of those places that you need a championship defense. Absolutely. Pitching and defense wins championships. And that is no more visible right now in the College World Series, the Women's College World Series of softball, the NCAA tournament, regional tournament, Super Series, and coming up College World Series in baseball. You just look at the teams and you look at who's winning and who's not. It is coming down to pitching and defense. And that's exactly what we're talking about. If you don't know how to play defense, you're going to lose at some point. You can't outrun it. I'm going to pick on my own legendary college coach for a minute. This is not in any way meant to be detrimental or or negative. It's just a fact. I played for one of the greatest offensive coaches in college baseball history, Gary Ward at Oklahoma State. Guess what Gary Ward never accomplished in his Hall of Fame college coaching career? A natty? He never won a natty. He never won a national championship. It eluded him. And it's because he never had the pitching. Because good pitching always beats good hitting. It just does. The greatest pitcher is always going to beat the greatest hitter. This is exactly a great example of what happens in our agencies. We spend so much time playing offense. We spend so much time on sales. We spend so much time 
time on all these things. And then we look up and we have this unhealthy organization agency slash business because we didn't play any defense at all. And that's what we're talking about here is there are things you need to be playing defense on if you really want to win and win long term. Talking about cybersecurity, winning means you don't ever have to call your clients and say, hey, we had a cyber breach and now Bubba over in Russia has your social security number and your driver's license number and all of your information. That is a phone call that you do not want to have to make to all of your clients. It's just not. It's a really expensive process to deal with this. People who've been in an E&O claim don't say, that's why I buy E&O insurance. It's painful, even with insurance. Just because you purchased insurance, we know this answer as insurance professionals. That doesn't mean that you are looking for an accident. You're not looking for a lawsuit. You're not looking for an ENO claim or a cyber breach. It's not fun. It's stressful. And you pay for that well into the future because guess what? We all know the answer to this. If you have an ENO claim, you're going to pay for that ENO claim for a while. Your ENO through ENO premium and increased premium, etc. You're going to pay for that ENO claim in anxiety and stress creation. That's going to just elevate, and you're going to do that if you have to make that cybersecurity breach phone call and send out those notifications. And no, oh my insurance company is going to take care of that. My cyber liability company. Well, some, but not all. It's still going to have to get done. There's things that you have to comply with and various states and federal regulations and there's things that you have to do and some of that is just painful and it's not something you want to spend a couple of months dealing with think about your business pause think about what's going to happen for new business and for growth and it's a setback i know we can't get ourselves wound up to the point of not being willing to take any risk but i think we have to do this in an actionable way to protect us as much as we can If you want to curl up in the fetal position and never use your computer again, hop on to your Audible and listen to The Dark Web. That's an Audible series that came out a few years ago that Shane had me listen to coming back from a trip to Texas. And yes, I was basically ready to never touch a computer again after that one. But it was extremely valuable information that after I heard it really caused me to make some changes in things that I do from a cyber perspective. I don't watch as much news as I used to watch. I read Wall Street Journal. I read local newspapers, read Insurance Journal. These are things that I do more of a trade journal thing. I don't camp out on every news alert from every major news outlet. I think it's unhealthy. What I'm not asking you to do is become overly worried about the world. But I I do know that bad guys exist. There are cyber terrorists in other parts of the world that do this for a living. It's organized crime. It exists. There are evil people out there. What I'm asking you to do is to recognize that that exists. I'm not asking you to become consumed with it. And you can listen to the Audible series, which I do recommend everybody do. But I want you to listen to it understanding that it's out there. But it doesn't mean you should stop. It doesn't mean you should not be in business for yourself. There's just ways to deal with it. What we don't do is we don't take our 
own businesses and our own risk of security breaches serious enough because we just don't think it's going to happen to us until it happens to us. Our agency organization has had an E&O claim. Until you have an E&O claim and you're sitting in mediation and you're dealing with things that are ridiculous on the surface and you're like, that's ridiculous. They don't deserve that. (laughs) They don't deserve that money. They didn't get hurt like that. That was not real. That shouldn't have happened. And it doesn't matter because the insurance company is trying to protect the total payout. They don't want a jury trial. They don't want all these things. And you're sitting there having to bite your tongue. That's painful. That's so stressful. Until it happens to you, then most people don't pay attention. And that's what we're trying to say here is pay attention so that it may not happen to you. Let's talk little things that we can do to make a difference. If your login is admin or your login and password is anything that was the default on your computer, change it. Please just change it. Nothing should ever say admin. If your password is a birthday or a spouse or a kid, or it's not a passphrase. Passphrases are things that really don't make any sense. Money tree 428, combining things and don't get mad when the insurance company or your management system or Microsoft requires you to change your password every 90 days or 180 days. They're doing it to protect you and themselves. I want to hop in on that one because when a company is asking you to change your password, so many times, let's say that your password was agent123. If you change it to agent123 exclamation point, and next time you change it to agent123 asterisk, you're setting yourself up to get hacked. Because what's happening is the bad guys are buying passwords. Okay, your password got changed, but the first thing they're going to do is run those passwords with one small change at the end. And they know that things go from exclamation points to asterisks to question marks. So when you need to change your password, actually change it. I know that it's a pain. Another one that's out there that people use a lot is the idea of going Q1W2E3R4, running that top line of letters and numbers. That's another thing that the bad guys try immediately, and so many people get in trouble because of it. I mean, it is a little funny that the insurance and the marketing expert are talking about this password creation with you, but trust us, we have been through some fire on this. We're not the ultra expert, but there's reasons behind behind all this stuff. Let's not forget, we haven't gotten in to AI yet on this podcast, and I'm not an AI expert, but I know that bots and AI's grandpa, machine learning, these things are out there. There's software that is developed by bad guys. They are moving through systems, firewalls so fast that you can't keep up. It's too late. And so that's something to recognize. I know that we had a sister company that we had ownership in, went through a hack several years ago. One of the things that was eye-popping to me was that... 
the firewall hits were coming at about a million hits every half hour. And so when the hack was in progress, when the good guys were able to monitor and watch the bad guys trying to come in, it's like a really bad movie, right? They can literally see the traffic and see what happens and sees the spikes. Well, this isn't a person sitting on the other side of that firewall. It's actual software programmed to attack. And so once they think they find an opening, they just let it loose. You can't keep up as a human being with that. You can't stop it. The way you do that is good password management. You do that by never allowing them to knock on the door or get in in the first place. You and I both travel a lot. And one of the the challenges that I have faced is remembering when I'm on a public network. And now I have Cox Internet here down in Florida. And so my phone used to, before I figured out this was happening, was grabbing on to people's open Cox Internet networks as I was traveling, as opposed to using my personal Wi-Fi. And so I was on some public networks, not even realizing that I was on public networks because they weren't actually public networks. They were people's houses. And I know that sounds kind of confusing because it sounded confusing in my head, but anyway, it happens. And so be sure that when you're talking with your customers via email, when you're not in your office, think about, okay, before I send this email, is it secure to be sending? Another one are the hotel. We've talked about buying up and splurging for the higher speed. Some of that also goes into what are we doing? Like if we're just answering email, like I'm probably one of those guys that I don't get overly concerned about the email side of things because of the device and the security that kind of goes around 365 and some of that stuff, but it's exposed. What I get more concerned about is when we're actually working remote on policies, on client data, and the one thing that is so old school but keeps coming back around because it's such an efficient hack is Keylogger. It's a keystroke as you recording software. You don't even know it's happening. They're recording your keystrokes. That piece of malware itself has done so much damage across the globe and it just keeps coming back into play. Ransomware doesn't happen without something like Keylogger. That's the thing of what are you actually working on and where are you working and if you're constantly working remotely in a traveling environment, you might want to think about some type of VPN. They're not that expensive. And it's certainly worth the money in terms of risk management. Let's talk about phishing and not the fun kind where you get to go out in the Gulf and catch a red snapper. But uh, the phishing that I actually fell for last week, I'm sure that when you get your cybersecurity report, you're going to get that I clicked on an email that I shouldn't have. And I normally am very careful. And I get an email every day from Microsoft that tells me this is how many emails that I have in quarantine. And this particular email came at the time of day that I normally get that from Microsoft and did not look at the actual address. And I clicked on it and our system said, hey, you're stupid. Don't click on this, thankfully. But even as somebody that I wouldn't call myself a level 10 expert on this, but I have a husband that is a level 10 expert on this and have been around 
long enough to know better than to do what I did the other day. And so be careful when you're opening an email. If it's got an attachment, you know, look at it. Make sure you were expecting an attachment. Is this a response email from somebody that you were expecting? There are so many little things that people can do that make us want to click on this. Uh, A lot of times you'll get a, a message from, I think, PayPal. I used to get those all the time that your PayPal account has been hacked. Well, yeah, it's fixing to be hacked if you click on this email and go through to it. Yeah, my latest one is Tractor Supply Receipts. I don't know what that's about. I haven't been to Tractor Supply in a couple of years. And those are the easy ones to spot. I think the really, really hard ones are the ones that they really do look like the person that you get email from all the time. Phishing's first cousin, spoofing, that is where an email is created to look like someone else. So the phishing part is to try to get you to click. The spoofing is to sort of hide the identity of the real sender and make it look like it's somebody that you get email from all the time. And one of the things that gets us, especially right now, because we're stinking busy. So we see an email and we think it's from Tanya and I get emails from Tanya all the time. And so I click on it. And it's like, yeah, okay, what is she talking about? And I click because I'm in a hurry. And if I would have just stopped and caught, well, that's weird, and just hovered over her name or clicked on her name, I would have seen that it was garbly goo with 82 digits at yahoo.com. It wasn't Tanya at all. It was Tanya's name spelled correctly because they got it off LinkedIn. And it was Tanya's signature because they got it off somebody else they hacked. And it looked like a Tanya email to me, but it wasn't Tanya at all, right? It was spoofed as Tanya. These are such low tech things, but they work. I'm the guy that, hey, watch out. Don't do this. Slow down. I'm the guy telling everybody to slow down. And then I got caught myself in not slowing down and clicking on a link. And I'm like, oh, that was so stupid. As soon as I did it, I'm like, what an idiot. I feel so much better. I'm in good company now. Let's talk something that drives our agents nuts. And that is multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication. That causes more strife than it probably should. I'm just becoming a fan. I know. I get it. But it just is so successful in terms of security. Quick text for the access code. I mean, there's a reason that banks and financial institutions are flat out required to do it. I'm thinking you would not have a bank at this point that didn't offer multi-factor or two-factor authentication. And so to have that access on your management system, that's critical. To have that on your critical systems and your providers starting to implement that, guess what? This is back to the cyber application. Guess what? One of the first questions after your name and business name and address is going to be, have you implemented two-factor or multi-factor authentication, otherwise known is MFA. Have you implemented it? Yes or no? If you answer no, you're not going to get in a cyber quote and you're not going to get your cyber placed. I think there was one market we found over the last year that was still placing coverage at a premium price, significant price, by the way, that was allowing customers to not have MFA implemented. Everyone else, it's underwriting question number one 
and it has to be yes. The real stress that I see that's being caused by multi-factor authentication is when people are doing things they probably shouldn't be doing, and that's having one login for a management system that belongs to the owner of the agency, and then they have two, three, or four employees trying to use the system, so when they go to log in, then they have to get a hold of the owner who may or may not be on the golf course. So I think part of the real challenge is maybe that people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, because I don't want to pay for extra users. Do you want to be in business long term? I don't get it. I don't want to pay for extra users. Well, guess what? It's part of where we are. It's part of doing business. You're okay running the billboard, but you don't want to pay for an extra two users. And it doesn't make any sense. What we spend money on as salespeople and marketing people, we just don't want to spend money on that. And we have to understand that this is going to be the biggest asset that you have, I hope. You're now entering a very, very minority percentage of people in the world as business owners whose number one largest asset is not your home. It's going to be your business. And yet you don't want to add a couple of extra users for a couple of extra hundred dollars a month. You have to, right? This is a... You don't trust the people you're hiring. Why are you giving them your personal login to begin with? Well, that way I can know what they're doing. Okay. If you've got that much time, (laughs) bless your heart, you need to be doing other stuff. We're kind of talking sarcastically today and had a couple of strong points in here. We understand the ones that are not getting it or they're still going to complain. We know this is a really, really small percentage of agents and that small percentage of agents are going to struggle to stay in business long term if they're not getting down the path here and getting better at this. I think your definition of small and my definition of small may be two different things because I think it's a larger percentage than you think it is. I just don't want to believe that it's a huge number. But I think you're probably right. We know you don't want to spend the money, but you don't want to have to make that phone call to your clients and say, hey, your social security number is now up for sale on the dark web. Your driver's license, your personal information. If you sell any form of health insurance within your agency, that information goes for three and four times what personal information goes for on the dark web. Bottom line is it's better to pay up front for or some risk mitigation. You need to take care of yourself. You're taking care of your clients all day, every day. This is an area where you need to take care of yourself. And don't just think you can just buy the policy. I want you to look at what you're doing. I want you to take the risk management advice and take the IT person's advice because they do know what they're talking about. And doing a little mitigation of risk here will save you a ton of money long-term. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Wilt Chamberlain. Every Everything is habit forming. So make sure what you do is what you want to be doing. Attitude's choice. Make a great one. Bye, y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at IAForward.com.